episode of Fermented Adventure, the podcast is brought to you by Fermented Adventure. Dolan, we have merchandise. Yes, we do. How do people find our merchandise? They need to go onto our website at fermentedadventure.com and click on the apparel tab. So go to fermentedadventure.com and click on the apparel tab. And what will they find? They will find our Fermented Adventure, the podcast shirt, may contain alcohol, and we have a couple specials that we just did. Uh, Cerveza made me do it, and tequila made me do it. Now, this is perfect for spring break, Cinco de Mayo, or even the summer, and you'll look really cool, and you'll be able to say, hey, it wasn't me, it was tequila or cerveza that made me do it. Yes, that's true. We have different things. We have shirts, we have glasses. What are some of the other things we have in there? Women's stuff, men's stuff, tank tops. Tanks, tees, sweatshirts, pullover hoodies, you name it. You name it, we have it, and more to come, right? More to come. FermentedAdventure.com. Click on the apparel tab. Buy the merchandise. Cheers! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, F.A. Nation, let's meet our guests. She's Maggie Probilski. She's Morgan Murphy. I'm Rich Shane, and this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Maggie and Morgan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thank you. We met at CiderCon 2022 in Richmond, Virginia. We got a little bit of time to share and try some of your amazing cider. Talk a little bit, but there were throngs of people that seemed to, couldn't, they couldn't wait to have some of your cider. Can you share with everyone, what was the journey to where Two Broad Cider Works has come to be? Talk about your origin story. Um, pretty, it's pretty um, small beginnings. So we're sort of bootstrapping our way into being a fully functional, have all the equipment kind of place. Um, but we we basically got started through beer. Yeah, we we started as homebrewers of, of beer. Um, but we, over the years, there's a, a local apple producing region here called Sea Canyon. Um, it's, I mean, region is a, maybe a big word. It's, it's more of like a, a, a small little valley of a microclimate. Uh, canyon really but um we would go out there and um every fall kind of grab apples grab cider make pies make jam and uh, we'd ferment cider and i think that was our kind of first experience of like stuff that wasn't like the the big macro like overly sweet cider that was available at that time which was maybe like 15 years ago um, so you've been doing this for a while. This is something that has more in, been ingrained in your life. And, and it seems that obviously to open up two broad cider works, this is a passion for you. Yeah, for sure. Like we, we love the whole like aspect of everything from the apple to the, to the glass. Um, yeah. And we also love cooking. So sharing delicious flavors with people. This is just an extension of that. Mm-hmm. So I you think, said you were home brewers. What were some of the, are there, are there beers that you gravitate to? Are there types of beer that you enjoy? Are you still brewing at home now? <laughs> Man, I wish, you know, I may, I meant to make time for it this season. Um, in the summer season, I like to have a cream ale on tap, which is a really, it's, it's not, it's just a really lightly flavored ale. There's no lactose. There's, it's just, it's creamy in the mouthfeel, but it's light and refreshing. And you take it to the river and you sit by the river with your book and you drink your cream ale. Um, and then I think you can have a dark beer for every time of year. And I love dark beer. So Morgan makes a really wonderful 
black lager mm. and I like to make a stout and sometimes I make a really big Baltic porter. All right. If you're taking requests or holding stuff behind <laughs> and uh, definitely those are, those are great uh, beers that we, we would enjoy and love too. So uh, maybe that's, that's the next segment. We talk about uh, your homebrew experience. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, but sadly, we don't, we don't homebrew very much anymore. Yeah. Because um, we're just, we're too busy. What, what are your else. favorites? What are your favorite things to make? Uh, definitely a black lager. Um, I like to make a very sessionable Saison. Um, I'm, I'm a little weird about Saisons. I, I kind of... I'm sort of in the camp of if it's not Saison Dupont, it's crap. <laughs> but uh, so I, I just like that yeast strain and that that character. Um, but they make a really good one that's like a, a table Saison that isn't found often here in the States. But I like to make a version of that. It's like 4%. Um, it's just really fun. Yeah, that sounds easy drinking, very flavorful. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I mean, we went through a whole journey with beer where it started with IPAs and then it went to Belgians and barrel aged stuff. And then we did an about face to go back to the more sessionable things. Yeah. We're pretty, we're like really into sessionable beers and like really cleanly made lagers, like even like a nicely made rice lager is just amazing. Like depending Mm. on, Mm. you know, especially if it's a hundred degrees or something and we're working on projects here, it's just, a really nice beer. You talked about the beginnings where even 15 years ago, you were buying cider and you were fermenting and making your own cider. Where has the progression been for you to where the personality starts to come out of what you're making now? And what are your influences in making cider right now? Uh, I guess let's start with our, our, the people we fan over, um, Tilted Shed. We're, we're fans of what they do. Uh, Reverend Nat had, he was pretty exciting because he's crazy. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. Reverend Nat's was interesting because um, that was sort of the first cidery that we saw with, that wasn't like a traditional, like, like there's sort of two camps in the cider scene, right? There's like the orchard focus. We're making wine. It's an expensive 750 bottle. And there's terroir involved in seasonality. And then you have sort of the opposite spectrum, which is like, uh, you know, this is in a can, it's really cheap. We make it, it's the same every time. Maybe it has like weird flavorings in it. Um, so that was our first exposure of like, oh, like cider could be this or it could be that. And um, we sort of play both sides, to be honest. Um, but like we are definitely playing both sides, but we're playing it with like local fruit and stuff like that. So we're not, you know, we don't buy like tanker juice and stuff like that. We're interested in locally sourced ingredients as much as possible. Unless it's like a really interesting apple, like a really hard to find cider variety. And we'll go further afield for that. But Mm -hmm. um, we're not like, super purists about cider, but we are interested in making like a really good craft quality cider. How does, when you talk about, you know, wanting to do fresh fruit, fresh apples, local, how does that affect for you seasonally or climate, climatically, if that's a word, I don't know. Does, you know, we, we, we're on the East coast. So we hear things about drought and things about uh, just water restrictions in California. And I know California is a big state, different climates right there. Does that affect your cider production at all right now? Every year is different. I would say 2019 was a banner year for orchards all over California. Um, It's, it's fallen off a little bit, but it's like 2018 was really, really tough. I think in 2018 orchards were only, they only had like 10% of the fruit that they had had of the previous year. So it, from year to year supply changes. Um, as I know orchards are going to be transitioning to make more cider apples now that they see how that it's not going away and that cider can be different with, with different apples. I think we're, we're just not seeing a lot of that yet. Um, now, is that can, seeing that yet in California or, you know, or just in the area you are? In our area, we're not seeing it as much. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, it's like um, we so we're surrounded by a lot of wineries. So land cost is like really high. So it doesn't make a lot of sense for somebody to start an orchard here. Um, but we I mean, we got into our orchard through actually a lease. So it's a through a land conservancy, which was a great opportunity for us because we didn't have to like acquire land, which is, you know, we can't afford that in California. Help me understand uh, when you say land conservancy. Now, is this an area where tax dollars have been saved by or building has been prohibited by a community going in and buying some a part of land, which in most cases, either they turn it into a park here or they just allow it to be open fields and things like that. Is that is that the same thing there? Kind of. Yeah. So um it's, it depends on what the land conservancy's goals are. So this particular one is interested in preserving the agricultural um, character, kind of the, the agriculture and the open space culture. So they, they do both types of projects. Like they recently acquired a bunch of property on the coast of Pismo Beach, and they turned that into like a bunch of hiking trails. Um, but they'll also take like ranch lands from like you know, multi-generational families that can't manage the land anymore, but they don't necessarily want to see the land get developed into like housing tracks or something. Um, the Land Conservancy will buy that and uh, lease it to people who want to keep doing ag on it. And so that's how we got into this orchard is um, the previous owners sold off like most of it to the Land Conservancy. And so we're leasing it from them and our really only mandate is to keep it an orchard and keep it organic. And that's exactly what we want to do. So it, it's working out really well for us. Share the apple varietals you're growing and where you are in the maturation of your orchard. And are you using some of that fruit now? Yes. Yeah, we are using the fruit. Um, so it's planted in Brayburn, which isn't, I guess, maybe the sexiest apple in the cider world. Um, they're actually really, really delicious to eat. Um, but we, so we, uh, I don't want to say acquired, but came into this orchard um, in the middle of last year, kind of during the pandemic, right? And not that the pandemic is over, but. Uh, <laughs> it depends on which day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I had been poking them for a couple years, like, hey, if you ever get an orchard, let me know. If you ever get an orchard, let me know. It's been six months, got an orchard yet. And uh, eventually they came back and were like, hey, guess what? <laughs> and we were kind of like, shit. I'm sorry, I just swear to we said that, we were going that's to okay. That, that's okay. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, we, that's, that, were, that, would be my, that would be my response after asking so many times. Really? We got an orchard? Shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because um, we were in the middle of con- like building our tasting room and it was like a huge nightmare and money wasn't really like we were still suffering from not being open with our tasting room like we wanted to uh because we started building our tasting room in january of 2020 um and then you know everything kind of went pear-shaped see i didn't swear that time that's good i like that um pear-shaped <laughs> so the, it, you know it was like oh man, this is going to be rough and we don't have a lot of time to deal with this, but we can't let this opportunity pass us by. So we, we had to, to take the orchard, um, but we, it's still in Brayburns right now. We are starting to graft over, we're doing top working of some new varieties that we like. Um, so we've started grafting in Pink Pearl, which isn't really known as a good cider apple, but we actually make a really good cider out of it. It's it's gorgeous. When I think we you can may have. It. I think you may have had that. I think I might have poured that for you. Um, and and we're also like looking at varieties that are gonna do well in our climate and kind of thinking ahead of like, okay, we're gonna have less chill hours in the future. The weather's gonna be more erratic. It's gonna be hotter. We're gonna get more rain. We're gonna get no rain. Like it's gonna be crazy. So we're looking for like, you know, we're trying all of the varieties um, because. Through some research that I've done kind of on the whole chill hour things is like they're kind of a lie in a way or they're they're I think they're more applicable to uh, colder regions like you don't want your trees waking up too early um, 
which is a good reason to have like a higher chill variety. But in California, kind of the rules are a little weird. Um, there was a guy who runs a big nursery down in Riverside, which is Southern California, like inland. It's very hot, it's very dry. Um, and he's done studies on like different, like high chill varieties that shouldn't do well there. And they do. And then he also did a really interesting study um, in Irvine. Um, they had like a, the use, the university had an orchard project. And so Irvine's like heavily coastal influenced. It doesn't get any chill hours. It doesn't get super hot either. Um, and he planted these high chill varieties and a lot of them did fine. Um, so it was more like about can the apple deal with heat versus like, does it need to stay dormant for longer because it's going to wake up too early and you're going to get a frost on all of your buds. Um, so I've sort of taken that and just like saying, okay, I'm going to just going to plant whatever I want and hope. And see what happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't, you're not limited. And if you're telling me you're making great cider out of these specific varietals, why not have more control about what you can plant and the, availability of what you want to make with those apples, right? Mm -hmm. You you have such an intense, in-depth knowledge of just apples. I I ask because on the East Coast and in and, and a lot of the area here is we have cideries pop up. I think that there's at least the communication of the apple varietals. I think that's what's coming into play now. How did you take your experience of just being home home brewers and you know making your own cider to saying why don't we open a business? Let's do this as a business. Well, I mean, I think we always wanted to work for ourselves and I mean, we're not having kids. We're not, we could, we could, we could have had a big wedding or we could have built a business. Um, and we just decided that we could have a party anytime. <laughs> I think, um, why not have a party with the cider you make, right? <laughs> in the place that we built to serve it to people. Awesome. Yeah, like we, I mean, we've always enjoyed, it's sort of uh, like, I don't know, there's always people who are like, have a good recipe and they like hosting. And like, we were kind of those people, like we just enjoyed making food and having people over. And this seemed like a larger version of that um, in a way. So like we're, we're more oriented around smaller production and like having people in our tasting room and like trying a bunch of different things and kind of falling in love with what we're making versus like, we want to make as much cider as possible and yeah. sell it to everyone. We also like to share our fandom of this industry. Like we like, like you were talking earlier about loving to nerd out about these subjects. That is also what we love to do. Mm -hmm. And especially the way we make cider, like we we really do have to teach people about it how how it can be so different and how you may have had this one cider and you may not have liked it but maybe you're going to like this one over here because it's made differently with different apples and mm -hmm. and we're also trying to make people fall in love with it where where are you in your area i mean i know you mentioned that your location is more in a college town right college location area you you mentioned education where are you where do you think you are in terms of that consumer, that customer that comes in either A, for the first time or the knowledge, are, are you finding that there's there are people that now have more of a knowledge, more of a desire to know more? Are you seeing that education grow or do you still feel as though it's, it's part of the responsibility or part of just being a cidery to say, all right, we, 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 we're going to start here with you and we're just going to, you know, take you on the journey with us? Yeah, I think... It's kind of, it, have you ever been a server like at a restaurant or anything? Yes. It's, so it's kind of the same thing. You ask a lot of questions to find out where everybody is and then you, you can go from there. Um, so it's a lot like, it's a lot of reading the room. I feel like here people seek us out. So there's already some knowledge there since, since we're not open and like, I mean, we're open, we're we're not saying no to anybody who walks by um, and we do invite people to come in, but we're not actively advertising because if we were open regular hours, we couldn't finish what we need to finish here. But people do seek us out because they already have some knowledge of cider. So I think we're in that regard, as far as the tasting room is concerned, 
people are already a little bit primed. It's a little tougher going to a festival mm-hmm. when people don't know what to expect or, or they have a preconceived notion about, like, I got to tell you, wine festivals are no fun for us. Well, you said you're, you're in a winery area, right? We so, are in a winery area. Right. Yeah, wine, wine consumers are a little more pretentious. I mean, that's kind of the stereotype, but it's kind of true. Um, they just, if it's not like what they're used to drinking, like they, they they're not, they're not as adventurous, whereas beer yeah. drinkers are a little more adventurous. So at a beer festival, usually oh, they love us, they love us mm. um, because they're drinking like tons of these like huge beers and they're like their palates like destroyed and they can come to us and like, it's different. It's refreshing. Um, so they, and it's just like completely new to them. Like the whole beer scene is about like constantly what's new. So it's, it's pretty normal for them to come over and try it and be like, I love this. Yeah. Try some, it, they're just, like you said, they're more adventurous. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the times a wine drinker will walk up to us and be like, Oh, I don't like cider. And then walk away. And I'm just like, you don't even give it a chance. <laughs> Yeah. And it's also like a pretty regular occurrence for like, sometimes somebody who knows about cider will bring a friend here and that friend, like before they leave they they'll, they'll like comment to us that like, I had no idea cider could be this diverse and this interesting. Cause we, we have like 20 things, like, uh, like we have like 10 taps and like 10 other bottles that we have. So like, and we, there's just a huge variety. It's not like the same cider with like a different fruit in it. It's like completely like we have bittersweet fruits. We have some that are wild fermented and like really sour. Um, it's kind of all over the, like we have ice cider. Um, so there's just a, a much wider range for people to experience that they don't have at some of the other cideries. To what you were talking about, I find that same experience with sharing cider and trying to give people the expectation of what they're about to drink. We became members of the Northwest Cider Club. So we're getting a lot of um, ciders out of um, that area of the country, which what we talked about, it's, it's different, you know, it's different than what we're getting here. And that's one of the things that we love about it because we're trying things we may never try or may never try again, but the experience is, wow, this is, you know, this is very comparable. If you're a wine lover, I can tell people you're going to enjoy this cider. If you're, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you like a, an oaky Chardonnay, there are a mm-hmm. lot of barrel aged ciders that are very, you know, similar in characteristic. I, I would just wonder sometimes if you take the, take the name off of at the festival and just, right. just, just put out wine glasses with, with cider in it. How many people would walk away going, this is amazing wine. Yeah. I love this. Oh yeah, the we, blind tasting. Let's yeah. do a blind tasting. <laughs> and we we actually uh, we were at an, another cider con and they were doing blind tastings and we tried one and we were remarking to each other like this tastes like a Wurzstraminer. Like this is definitely a right? They're they're screwing with us right now. And it turned out to be a hopped cider. And it was funny because the guy who made it was sitting across the table from it, it was a Swiss cider actually. Um, so that was funny, you know, and like, you're right. Like there's when people come in and they're wine drinkers, like we can be like, okay, what kind of wine do you like? And then we'll just be like, okay, well then you can try this. And then they sort of realize that cider is pretty much wine. It's just made with a different fruit. I mean, and, and where you take that with the yeast, if you're using wine yeast, right? I mean, there's so much flavor imparted into that, that it gives that characteristic that, Again, if I see the reaction, if you have somebody come up and it's a wine festival, I don't like cider. I mean, you almost want to start, you know, clubbing them like a baby seal and <laughs> and, and, and say, you know, come on. I mean, give it a chance. Just put it in your mouth. <laughs> right. Try that. Now, today is Earth Day. So that's exciting because we get to talk cider, which is, you know, the mother, you know, apples and the mother of all fruits. And unless that's a guava, I don't know. But uh we, we talked a little bit about, you know, look at Earth Day and, and you're in an area in California. We talked about, I look at it this way, the industry itself, 
supply chain issues, bottles and things like that. How is it for you to access, you know, even your bottles? And we know people that are having a hard time, you know, getting corks and getting labels done. What's what's the impact of the supply chain or where we are in, in, in for you and what you're doing? We've gotten pretty lucky as far as bottles are concerned. We're using a, a really cute 500 milliliter shaped bottle. Um, they call it a sour bottle. And it comes from Germany mm. and then from Montreal, it comes to us. And since it doesn't seem like a lot of people are using this bottle, we didn't have trouble getting it, but there are extra fees. The shipping now. costs is what been, has been painful for us. Yeah. So, but I know a lot of our friends in the wine industry are waiting like months to get their bottles. Um, what would be really cool is because we are in an area that has so much bottle use is some enterprising college students will come up with a plan to collect all these used bottles and clean them and sanitize them and, and get them ready to redistribute to this area. Because if we're going to pay for the shipping to come from Germany to San Luis Obispo, essentially, we could also pay somebody to wash these bottles and redistribute them. And I feel like we're in an area of technology now where technology will help this a lot. Like maybe when Morgan was doing her early research about bottle reclamation, there wasn't machine learning that could tell the difference that could sort bottles. And, and there wasn't much done as far as like UV, san maybe UV sanitation, could sanitization water. could yeah. save water. and Or steam. Oh, steam. Steam's good. Like steam. But yeah, it's an interesting like, like returnable bottles like do they make sense again because uh, i know that they were used in the east coast area for a little while um and i think parts of germany use them um i feel like one of the breweries we went to had returnable bottles with like the flip tops but it, yeah it's like a question of like how much does it cost to produce a new bottle versus like collect and clean and wash and sanitize it's not just about the production, though, because it costs to produce the bottle, but it also costs to get it shipped here. Yeah, you're putting that on uh, a large ship, a large vessel, all those mm -hmm. fossil fuels to get it across the ocean onto a train, a plane, who knows how it's getting to you, a tractor trailer. I look at it this way. There, there are regulations in different states, and different states will say, well, you can't reuse no matter what. Mm. You know, I mean, obviously, I don't know if you guys do growlers or things like that, but you're allowed yep. to reuse a growler, right? So yeah. there's you, you have glasses when you serve when you serve your cider, you have glasses, right? Well, you, you can use those more than once, can't you? So yeah. They, yeah. they're sanitized, right? Yeah. So I don't know why, where the regulations begin to say if you have a, a glass you know bottle or vessel, why you couldn't, you know, you have carboys, right? You have you have fermentation equipment. One of the most important things, and you know about making cider, is sanitation. It's like okay. it's like paramount. Well, no one says, "Well, you can't use a fermenter more than once, and you got to throw it out." So I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting question. And as we said, anything that's going to happen in California is going to end up in the east on the east coast anyway. So can't wait to see what you guys are doing with that. Yeah, you hear that, students? Get on it. <laughs> Get on it. Now I have a question because you held up your bottle briefly and. I, this you the artwork and all right who does your labels i've got this the bearded queen the card we picked up and i'm like that's an amazing <laughs> that's an amazing card yeah. who does your artwork and i want to know two broads cider works how did the name come into play who who created that let's let's talk about i guess we can talk about the name first <laughs> um we th there's a lot of like regional um, and like, we're, we're like local. We like to, we like to buy local produce for our cider. Um, and then there's a lot of breweries that, that like the local name, like the seven sisters brewing company be, to refer to some geographic, um, geologic formations in the area or, or some river, they name it after some river, Kern river brewing company, for example. And, you know, I guess we're just not like, <laughs> we're just like, man, that's, that's, that's one way to brand it. Just yeah, brand like local, you can, you can, picking a name was challenging, I guess. Like, cause yeah, it could be like, oh, we're like, you know, Broad Street 
brewing or broad street cidery, or we could be like slow cidery or like central coast cider or like, you know, regional things, which can like help market that you're a local product. Um, but I guess we just, think- n- nothing ever really like, I, I think having two broads, like because our personalities were like going to be such a part of what we do here, like, making like it's sort of weird like we sort of made ourselves part of the brand versus like just the cider which i don't know if that was a good idea or not but that's kind of the way we went yeah uh we want and we wanted it to like have a nice mnemonic we wanted it to sound good and be kind of memorable to hear Mm. as well yeah it's like when you're when you're picking something off of a menu board in a bar you can just say like okay i'll have the two broads thing versus like I'll have the central coast cider thing you know it, I don't know it just seems seemed catchier yeah well there's so much that goes into picking a name and you know it's like naming a pet it's I don't know and naming a child I don't know it just but we we've had that conversation with so many different business owners about how they came to name what they named and I think to your point it really no matter what it's gonna emulate your personality that's that's really going to come out whatever that name is yeah so um also we're queer and so that kind of leads right back into our our bottle conversation because so far all of our art has been done by queer women this is um sybil lamb she's out of windsor canada but she likes to call it sandwich town which i think is adorable yeah she's (laughs) she's an artist that i followed for a long time and i just reached out to her i'm like hey would you do labels for us and she was like sure (laughs) so so we've never like met her in person (laughs) but um yeah she's she's I love her art. She does amazing, fun things. Yeah, it's it's just got so much movement and so much color. And um, we do have a, a good friend named Dorian Katz. And she does this this kind of work. Just, su- again, super colorful, but it's, I don't know. Can you see it very well? Aaron? Yeah, and I almost see, like I said, with what you just mentioned, Morgan, about the artwork and how you're reaching out all over for, for people that you admire and the work that they do, you know, it, it almost makes all right. You're the bottle's a collector's item because of the juice and the cider inside, and now the artwork's a collector's item because it's it's a one of a kind. Can you imagine? You know, if if Van Gogh at one point was making, you know, he was putting labels on bottles. I mean, how much of a collector's item would that be? If right. if this if this wonderful talented artist was doing, I I you know, Andy Warhol. I, I think I have a, a cookbook that was illustrated by him. Now. You know, this is the time when, hey, you, you never know what they were just working for what they were working for. But if you have an established artist doing your labels and th- I just think that even makes your story and what you're doing even more exciting. Yeah. I mean, they got to eat. We want to we want to make sure that they can eat so that they can keep making art. <laughs> that I, And I love it. And, and so do you do you give them free reign in terms of, hey, or do you, do you give them the cider and say, hey, will the label express the characteristics of the cider? How do you do that? Um, we kind of give we, them a name and, and we, some parameters. Yeah, usually we pick a name and that usually gets their noodle working. Um, we did have some pretty specific parameters when it came to push mower though. So this is a, a really light sessionable hop cider with a little bit of quince in it. And we're like, okay, we're thinking walk of shame or getting dressed up for the neighbors to do the lawn during the pandemic. So she's wearing these fishnet stockings with these kind of high heeled stiletto combat boots. That's going to be my thing next time I have to cut the lawn now. <laughs> <laughs> There was, and at one point Morgan was like, I'm going to wear a mini skirt and high, high, high boots yeah, and <laughs> that stockings to, to make cider in. And I was like, I'm going to be wearing waders. <laughs> yeah. Waders are much more practical. Um, so yeah, I mean, this one we were, we were maybe a little more specific on, but most of them, um, we let them do whatever. Yeah. She sent us a bunch of legs to choose from and like, a bunch of different push mowers that she drew. Our, um, our main rule is like, it just has to pass the TTB. So, <laughs> so. There's that. Oh yeah. Oh, we forgot about them. <laughs> yeah. Now. All right. We talked about the artwork. We talked about the name. 
share the varieties. You mentioned you have almost 10 coming off your tap and then 10 in bottles. Now that people are, and again, I wouldn't say now that people are more out and about, but it depends on where we are in the pandemic and what day. When people come into your cidery, what are some of the variations? What are some of the ciders that they can try and enjoy? Where do we want to start? We want to make all the things. And it's, so we do some blending. We do some single varietals. We do barrel aging. We do fruit co-ferments. We'll do Mm -hmm. some wild yeast cider. Um, We'll even play with, with ice style ciders. Uh, yeah. So like right now we have an ice cider on tap frost. Um, we have a Grenache, um, cider hybrid kind of thing mm-hmm. going on. It's like a summer rosé. We've got a wild fermented cider. We have push which is our session cider. Um, we have a Yarlington mill quince blend. Um, we have a bell fermented, kind of just regular cider from the apples from our orchard. That was part of a, a project for the food bank. So yeah, the glean, glean slow helped us harvest the last bit of apples in our orchard. And then there we were like, Hey, thanks for helping us. How about we make a cider with this that will benefit the food bank, which is one of their partner organizations. So it's also a fundraiser for the local food bank. And yeah, that like our first harvest and, our dry farmed apples because we didn't irrigate because it was so late in the season. They tasted amazing. Um, we also do some dry hopping and some botanical infusions. Mm-hmm. You really yeah, are so across, on top. You're, you're all over <laughs> of, of everything you're doing. It's very right? fun. <laughs> I love it. I mean, yeah. I'm moving because everything you just mentioned, I want to <laughs> try and enjoy. And I'm thinking, all right, how do do you ship to the East Coast? I believe you have a cider club, yes? We do have a cider club. Um, for Colorado, Oregon, and Washington, and California, we can ship on our regular website. For 34 other states, we do have Vino Shipper. And there's a club on Vino Shipper as well. The Vino Shipper Club maybe not be not quite as versatile as what we have going with um with the other, with the website one, but what I have found now is what yeah, so- makes things very difficult to obtain. It's, it's, you know, you could sell a cider in a bottle, let's say from $9 all the way up to like $15, $18, right? I mean, you may have a $20-some bottle of cider, but the shipping is going to cost me $35 just hard, to get- It's a hard sell. It yeah, really, it's hard. I mean, unless you start to find distributors, you know, out in a different area, that's that's what I've run into. That I, you know, the ciders you just mentioned sound amazing. You know, let me let me reach out and get a case, and then the next thing you know, it's like it's a hundred dollars to ship out to. Maybe not that yeah. excessive, but it, it is given the cost of fuel and everything else today. So you're going to have to open up the satellite uh, here in the here in the Philadelphia area since you like the area so much. Yeah. Oh, we do like the area very much. Um... Yeah, I mean, if there is some enterprising distributor out there, or one of those college kids in the same town that's making doing something with your bottles, (laughs) they want to be a new type of distributor that just picks up small batch cider and sends it all over the country, and maybe also serves those um, like cider specific bars. So that's kind of our business model. We want to serve this community. We want to create a space for for queer people because we don't really have any gay bars in San Luis Obispo, and then we also we want to be able to be at cider bars around the country and maybe around the world someday. Mm. <laughs> I see a barrel behind you and you talked about your barrel program. Where are you accessing some of your barrels? Talk about that for you. Or is it easy to find barrels right now? Or do you have some ideas of things, barrels you want to use? Um, yeah, it's pretty easy for us to get barrels because we're in a huge wine region. Um, so Sometimes, like, so we mostly use neutral barrels. Um, we find fresh oak is a little too overpowering for cider most of the time. Um, but it's it's pretty easy for us to kind of reach out to friends, you know, in the industry, like, hey, we're looking for some new neutral barrels. Yeah. Um, so a lot of them we've gotten for free. Um, Don, but they're, Don in the, at one of the mm-hmm. big wineries, he works for, I don't know if Constellation, anyway, he's part of a big wine company and he just called us up. He was like, Hey ladies, 
because some people are afraid to call us broads to our faces. Don't know why we're called two broads. Anyway, he's like, hey, <laughs> that's you- an interesting <laughs> thing. Like, <laughs> you it, want some barrels? A lot of people that like, I guess, usually like older people from an older generation are a little less unsure of the name. We're sort of reclaiming it. Yeah, and uh, most people love it. But yeah, most like most women like love it. And then like the men get like a little nervous. <laughs> and so they're like, can we call you that? And we're like, no, no. <laughs> I mean, they're already uncomfortable. We're just going to kind of ride that because it's not like men don't try to make us un- or just don't care about making us comfortable. Uh, so I guess, yeah, I guess we revel a little bit in their pain. But yeah. Anyway, back to barrels. Um <laughs> So neutral barrels, uh, French oak is usually what we try to get. Uh, we just like the character of that with cider a little bit more. Um, the one fancy barrels that we do have, we have uh, Calvados barrels. Um, oh, wow. So those I bought from like a barrel kind of broker company um, that just deals in like sourcing you know spirit barrels and everything else for mostly breweries and stuff um so i was like on their email list and like calvados barrels i'm like yes so we put uh one of our ice sliders into that and it was amazing and it's gone now because everybody bought it thanks (laughs) this is the problem because even like you said you make small quantities of certain things and when it's gone, it's gone. And you're focused on so many different things. So that, but that's a testament to what you're doing, that you have an amazing following. You're producing high quality cider. You're providing the community with a place where they can just, this is their spot, you know, and this is where they can have fun. And I, 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 I we, we talked a little bit, this is our second time getting a chance to talk, but it, your energy, your joy, your, it's all infectious. I mean, just just show up there at two broads and you're gonna have an amazing time no matter what and throw cider in the mix. Oh my god, it's a party. <laughs> Thank you. We said we met, you know, we met at CiderCon 2022, um, 2022. What was the experience like for you? What was your CiderCon experience? It, so Morgan had to stay home. She had a new day job that she had to to be part of. So I went alone. I got adopted by some really great cider makers, Tanuki and Santa Cruz Cider. They they adopted me and they were my my family while I was there. So that was great. It was it was nerve wracking because it was probably the the first convention we'd been to, and the pandemic is still a thing. So was pretty sure that we were going to get COVID and we came back and we we're all fine. And we're just like, everybody's super responsible. Thank goodness for that. And I honestly, I haven't heard if, if anything, if anybody did. I didn't hear it. of anybody. No. So um, it's good. It, it was maybe the fourth one we've been to. Third one. Um, let's see. The first one we went fourth. to Port- we went to Portland, Chicago, Oakland, and then this one. Yeah. Or well, fourth for you. Yeah. I loved Richmond. I thought that was a super cool city. And we did the Jackson Ward tour, which was just eye-opening. Um, walking the ward with Gary Flowers. Everybody go do that tour. He's it's great. We saw some great things. We ate some great food. Um, and we talked about um kind of the history of cider in the area and with slaves, which is, you know, it's all really important things to hear. And I'm really glad that I was on that tour. Um, and the food was amazing. Yeah. I enjoyed it. How was it for you? Uh, I mean, for us, this was our first cider convention. Um, we had been to Richmond before. So knowing that we had been to the city, we at least had a base to go from, but it was very eyes wide open our sensory, it was like so sensory um, overloaded. So we get to Richmond just in time to do the bottle share where we met you. And we walked in and it was just, you know, where do you start? Because there were about, what do you think? 40, 50 cideries in the room. And there's no way you can taste them all. No. And and they shut it down really early, but, you know, we wanted to stop. And, you know, our, our personality is we want to stop. We want to, we're not just here, you know, fill the glass drink, fill the glass drink. Fill, we want to talk. We want to talk about the the varietals that are going into the cider, the, all the things. 
And it's like, then there are people still waiting behind you. So it's like, all right, we'll move on. But you know, all the classes, the, the tasting classes, the, just the different information classes spoken to so many people about the grafting class that Mm -hmm. I wish I would have taken. And maybe if they had that again, and we get a chance to go back, I would love to learn more uh, about, you know, that, that, the side of grafting. And as you mentioned, you're doing your own orchard. So learning more about that and bringing some more apple varietals to what you're doing, that would be just fascinating. Yeah, super fun. Can't wait to have more Pink Pearl. We have this opportunity. So we have a, a few small private orchards that are just enthusiast growers. And they're like, hey, uh, you want these apples? And we're like, oh, yes, please. Um, we have this opportunity to like have Pink Pearl in our orchard when it's ready. And then there's this east Eastern Paso Robles, which is a lot warmer, warmer climate. They're growing pink pearl over there. And then we have, there's another orchard that's closer to the ocean, has a little bit more coastal influence. And so we have the opportunity to like make three different batches and taste how different they are with the same apple variety. Mm -hmm. We're really nerding out about that. It's probably three years down the line that we get to do something like that. You had asked me before we started if we produce anything and we haven't. But I'll tell you what, I said, somebody's going to inspire to make cider. And I think two broads have inspired to me. I just love the way you talk about the different varietals and, you know, we've had so many conversations and really enjoyed it. And and it just continues to build upon and build upon, but just the way you talk about the different varietals and and what you're doing is just, if, if you're in the area and you haven't gotten to two broads, you're definitely missing out on something. What does the future, you talked about your orchard, what does the future of the cidery look like? I mean, I know you said you'd like to be in more cider bars mm-hmm. on the planet. We open, open. <laughs> I'd like we'd like to have everything finished and and be able to advertise regular hours. So that's um, something you're not doing right now. So you're not fully open, or it's limited hours. Limited hours. Limited hours. Yeah, yeah there's there's some project. Like I'm staring at our bar right now, which is mostly finished, but I have to put some new trim on it and uh, build a wall. Just build a wall, add some trim. <laughs> uh, no, so like it's mostly functional. Like we, it's some finishing things. It's just finishing touches. Um, but there's still big, big jobs that like, if we had people here, we would have trouble finishing them. If we had people here more regularly, we wouldn't be able to finish. Yeah. We're, I mean, to be honest, I, I, at least I am, I'm, I'm nervous about COVID to be honest, because it's sort of creating a giant incubator. And since we're the only two people in the business, um, you know, we can't really afford to get sick. Um, so I'm starting to look into like ways we can make the tasting room safer overall, like with better ventilation, um, it's so like we have a big roll-up door and we have a patio, but like in the winter, you know, when all that's closed and we have people in here, like, what are we going to do? So I'm looking into some air exchanger uh, HVAC stuff where you can kind of replace the air like, you know, eight times an hour, which uh, is kind of, if there is COVID in the air, it gets basically sucked out and you get new air replaced in from the outside. So I think that's part of why we're going slow about it. We're we're kind of feeling out the pandemic. Even on that, it doesn't sound like there's any limitations for you. You're selling your cider. People are purchasing it. They're picking it up. They're enjoying it at home. There are some limited opportunities to come in and just really enjoy your cider. Are there any ciders? We talked about so many different things. The, the, is there a cider right now that you can't wait to produce or something is an idea that you're looking to, to try next? Uh, I want to make a chili cider. Mm-hmm. I want like to make spicy cider. I want to make something a little spicy. Um, there's this one beer that they don't make anymore. It's, it's ballast point. It's Indra Kanindra. It's got like Madras curry and hot chilies and like eight other spices I think curry in a, and I haven't had that yet. I think curry in a cider. That's awesome. That'd be great. I don't know. Is so, anybody doing that? Uh, I don't know. Somebody. All right. Somebody. <laughs> All right. You, you, you've, you've now taken the idea. It's yours. Don't steal it. You know, I, I want to see what everybody does with it. Okay. Everybody make it then. Let's yeah, do a whole. I, 
I wouldn't have gotten inspired to make a chili cider if Hemley wasn't doing a good job with their jalapeno cider, or if I hadn't had that crazy beer from Ballast Point back in the day. So I, I really like to see what other people do with the ideas. I don't want to, I don't want to keep it. I want to, I want to be inspired by what other people are doing with it. And then make the best one anyway. Right. I mean, (laughs) it's not good. We certainly won't release it. Of course. Yeah, um, I'm I'm sort of on the other spectrum right now. I'm oh, I have to massage the idea into Morgan. Okay. To 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 those that can't see it in the podcast, there's <laughs> I, I don't know. I, the first thing that came to my mind was like Hakuna Matata. I don't know what that hand motion was. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was it's just trying to yeah yeah um, into her shoulder. So like, what do I like? We've got an ice. We've got basically a new version. Well, it's going to be like, it. that's the thing is every version is going to be different, right? So like our kumquat cider is different year over year because we are using like the, the fruit is, it's, it's it was hotter or warmer or it yes. rained more or it rained less. Different. Um, so I'm making a new version of our Cabados Barrel Ice Cider. Um, I have a tapache going, which is just like a pet project of mine as a pineapple cider. Um and I would like to make a red fleshed cider mm-hmm. uh, from red fleshed apples. I'm still trying to figure out where I can get apples for that or juice. And um, Portage Perfection is what I'm interested in doing. We don't get a lot of Portage Perfection in this area. So that'd be a super fun one to do. Uh, I think Haken's the only one that we... Yeah, that's the that's what um, kind of turned me on to Portage Perfection. Steampunk, I might variety. have that one too. All the single varieties, fire cider, where you concentrate the sugar by boiling down the cider as well. This has been a treat for me. I, I have to tell you, and, and I know this has been a couple of weeks in the making and, you know, timing and everything kind of working out East Coast time versus West Coast time. Like I said, I, I want to just get on a plane right now and, you know, I'll stay outside. I won't come inside, you know, well, we're because... Now. I'll quarantine for 14 days at the cider. I'd be more than happy to do that. That'd be fine. (laughs) I will help make cider. I'll work for whatever you need me to do. You guys are awesome. I can't wait to see more of what you're doing at the cidery. Before we go, is there anything we didn't talk about that you just want to make sure people know about Two Broad Cider Works? Definitely give us a call if y'all are in the area. Definitely come by. Give them a call. Find out when they're open. Go visit. Try try every one of their ciders. They're like I said, when we had your cider at uh, CiderCon, I said, "Wow, this is amazing!" and I and I want more. And we'll find a way to get more. Hopefully, we'll see both of you if we don't get out to California. But we'll see both of you maybe in Chicago for CiderCon twenty twenty three. Awesome! All right. All right. Thank you so much, Rich. This was really great, Maggie and Morgan. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for being you know thanks for being friends of Fermented Adventure, and we look forward to speaking with you soon. On the hey. on the home brewing side of you know Maggie and Morgan, but we'll hear more about what ciders you're making. Okay, I better make a beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, broads, get back to work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>